If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to the HIV podcast. Each week, we focus on a person, historical event, or pop culture moment linked to HIV and explore the story of what actually happened. I'm Sarah. And I'm Jess. And between us, we've been working in the field of HIV for 40 years. Our aim is to get as many people as possible HIV educated. Welcome to the HIV podcast. I'm scared. Why? Obviously, I can't see you. Oh, so I should actually tell people what's happening because they can't see us. So we're on Zoom. We always record on Zoom. And Sarah has kept her video off because she said she has a surprise for me. So I can't yet see her. So I don't know if this is going to be a good surprise or a bad surprise. Oh, oh, okay. It's a good surprise. So this week is a bit of a history week, right? Yes. So I've got myself a history outfit. Oh my God. I, I've never been more ready for anything. It's my robe of multicolours. Oh my goodness. This is like a hairy, glittery robe oh my goodness so I'm just gonna have to explain aren't I Sarah has appeared to me now and she's got her hood up she's wearing like a blue hooded robe with like glitter sparkles all over it but it also looks so from a distance I can't lie to you I don't know if you can see yourself Sarah the outline just looks a bit like pubic hair I, yes, I can see your point. I need to be, uh, I mean, first of all, I do look quite like the Grim Reaper. A, a, a jolly for. Grim Reaper, though, aren't you? You're like his jolly cousin. Yes. Secondly, I think this material might be quite flammable, and I am sitting in direct sunlight, so in a minute I'll probably go up in flames. That will be a good start to the podcast. Where did you get this? Oh, on Amazon, uh, out of my own money, Jess. I'm not even claiming this on expenses. This is just my new look. Now all I can see is multicoloured pubic hair. Thanks for that. You've come dressed like a ball bag. (laughs) (laughs) I love your commitment to this podcast. Exactly. Bravo you. That's probably, I actually think that is my favourite podcast moment so far. Oh, I'm going to wear this at the centre. Oh, I'm not in tomorrow. I'm out in the community (gasps) testing. I wish I was there. You have to send me pictures. I will do. It does shed quite a lot. Do you twirl around and you just see sort of bits of like 
is it Lame, isn't it, almost, that's on there? I don't know. I don't know what this is. Oh, look at it. Gliss- oh, it's not Joseph, is it? But, you know, it's a start. Let's see how far we can get through with you wearing it, because honestly, it's just glorious. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, it's itchy. It looks itchy. <laughs> so I might I might dispose of it now. because, And as I said, you know, with the sun coming in, it's only a matter of time. Oh, yeah, I bet that feels good. She's just taking it off. She's de-robing. I am. I have got stuff on underneath. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. That would have been awkward, wouldn't it? Not that kind hey, of podcast. No. The last few weeks have been quite heavy, haven't they? We've done yes. lots of, well, we've done the Blackmail series. Then last week was just a massive rant. Thank you for all the lovely feedback. So this week is lighter. We need a bit of lightness. We really do. We need some lightness in our lives. But as you said, just to come back to that, we did have some, yeah, like you said, great feedback. People loved your ranting, Sarah. So note to self, note to the podcast, everyone loves Sarah's rants. Well, that's good. And I'm glad it resonated with some people. And I feel better. So that's all good. So have we got any uh, news corner, condiment corner? Uh, there was something else corner. I forget. All the, there's so many corners now, Jess. I know. Well, now there's, you know, Sarah's glittery robe corner, right? Oh, yeah. That's going to make another appearance, let me tell you. <laughs> um, I don't I don't have any news corner this week. Um, Obviously, I shared all the feedback on our social media. And thank you for everyone that commented and shared and um, and supported last week's episode. No, I don't even have any um hater comments this week. I've got nothing. I've got nothing for you. Why am I even here? <laughs> okay, well, should we crack on? Yeah. So condoms this week, right? Yes, it's all about condoms. So we obviously promote condoms quite heavily as an excellent method of protection. And last week we had the fantastic giveaway from Pasante. Yes. Oh, good. That t- Yes, it does tie in, doesn't it? As with HIV, you know, when we did that episode and uh, we found out when HIV originated from and where, and it was very different to to what we thought. And now we can tell our service users with full confidence the full history of HIV. And my gosh, don't they love that? Now we can do the same with condoms because we'll be able to tell them how they originated. We were nothing if not fun, Jess. Come on. The only condom bit of history I think I know, and I reckon this might be an old wives' tale, so I'm just going to put it out there, what I know, and you don't have to answer it because I'm sure we'll find out as we go through. I feel like the only bit I know is it was made out of a sheep's bladder. Because oh, I'm suddenly thinking, did I mean a condom or a football? I don't oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've got confused with my history. I'm not sure which one was made. <laughs> oh, okay, right. So this week... We're looking at where condoms originated from. Next week, because we're doing two parts, we're going to look at different types available and what future condoms might look like. Okay, so let's start. The oldest condom ever excavated was found in a cesspit in the grounds of Dudley Castle, and it was made from animal membranes. So you're right. Why were they going through a cesspit? Well, it was an archaeologist who dug it up. Can you imagine being an archaeologist? You've trained to find, obviously, bits of history by digging through the dirt. And your one big find is a condom. An old Johnny. An old Johnny <laughs> someone's lobbed out the window. <laughs> and that's your claim to fame. Everyone else is finding, I don't know, Stone Age flints. Or I don't, I don't, it's probably completely wrong. They probably didn't have flint in the Stone Age. But, you know, 
And they just thought, oh, I've got this. It's a condom, possibly used. How, how soon do you think after he fished it out and was sort of holding it, did he realise when he went, oh, what does this look like? And maybe he thought to himself, maybe it's an old football, like I was saying. No, no, it's a bit too small for that. What is it? Oh, I'll give it a sniff, maybe. What is it? Oh, oh, it's a condom. I just wonder oh. how long it took him to realise. Do you know what I mean? Don't know. Uh, anyway, it could have dated back to as early as 1642. So it's very old. Well built to last very that old. long. Now, there is some debate, though, as to how far back condoms were used. So ancient civilizations did use birth control because they wanted small families. So we're talking uh, kind of Greece, Rome and Italy, Egypt. And that makes sense. Smaller families, less outgoings. That sounds like what we're told life is today. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Ancient, the ancient, you know, Romans, it sounds not dissimilar to now. Yeah, we've kind of come full circle, haven't we? Yeah. And it would have been viewed as the woman's responsibility to ensure she didn't get pregnant. Hopefully that's not like now. And if we're talking about, we're not talking about like sexual health as in STIs and things like that. I think if we're just talking pregnancy, it's still the majority of the time falls to the woman. Okay, well, this might restore your faith in men a little bit because back, way back, when we're talking about way back, that's a historical term, isn't it? (laughs) Way back in years of old. Yep, in the days of yore. Some historians think loincloths worn by Egyptians and Greek labourers could have been used. Sorry, did you just say Greek (laughs) labourers? The best podcast we've ever recorded. Right, we're going to start that again. Some historians think that loincloths worn by Egyptians and Greek labourers could have been used as a primitive condom. So these loincloths are tiny, barely covering anything. I don't know why they're bothered, if I'm honest. But that's what they would have used. Actually, it's almost like a little skirt, right, that they're wearing. Tiny. I mean, it barely covered their assets. Really? Was that small? Yeah. If I'm already wearing the thing that I'm going to use as a contraceptive, so I can have sex really speedily. Yeah, that's true. Maybe that'll catch on. Maybe just men will permanently wear condoms, just in case. There's also a legend about someone called Minos or Minos, M-I-N-O-S, Minos, I'm going to say, that was told in 150 AD. We've never gone back this far, Jess. I tell you, I am. You're a a true historian, Sarah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The legend goes that he was cursed and his semen contained serpents and scorpions. So to protect his partner... He used a goat's bladder, not on himself, used it as a female condom. So he just stuffed a goat's bladder up her. I mean, you know, I don't sorry know to have... sound coarse, that's because very, you know. But that is the image that is conjured up, isn't it? Is someone just trying to poke a goat's Well, uh, you're saying poke. I mean, I'm imagining shoving. I'm thinking that is not a small <laughs> thing, is it? He's there properly, like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> I've got serpents and scorpions inside my penis, but here, put this inside you. The weirdest one night stand you ever had. Someone that's got <laughs> yeah. scorpions and in their semen, then a goat's bladder comes out. I mean, wow. But look, I mean, this is all speculation and we need real proof. So in the Middle Ages, there are references to male controlled contraception, including covering the penis in tar. I mean, tar is quite hot, isn't it? Is it like a, it must be liquid? Yeah. But yeah, doesn't it dry hard? Oh, yeah. Yes, I think so. Uh, no, I. Uh... Isn't it what's used on roads? Or is that no? That's tarmac. So I got tar tarmac part of tar. Yeah. Anyway, I feel like we're not doing ourselves any favors by going down this road to try no. to discuss this. Let's let's stick to what we know. So covering it in tar, or this will be one that you'll like. I know you will. Or soaking it in onion juice. Well, you don't have to ask me twice. 
Sounds like a good time. <laughs> so can I just clarify quickly? People put tar on their penises or dipped it in onion juice or soaked it or whatever and then had sex with someone. But I'm assuming that didn't work. No, no. <laughs> You're assuming no, it definitely didn't work. Or maybe the tar would, but the onion juice definitely not. But this is what they were doing. Well, because they didn't have any other form of contraception. Who went, do you know what? The tar makes a bit of a mess. So I've got this idea. We'll just go for like stinky onion juice. Who would have juiced an onion and then thought, that'd be amazing as a contraceptive. I'll just dip my stuff in there. Okay, so I think we can safely say prior to the 16th century, few, if any, condoms were being used. And we know this because syphilis was rife. So in 1494, French troops suffered a syphilis outbreak. And by the next year, it had spread across Europe. And by 1505, it had spread to Asia. I don't know why I said Asia like that. It's Asia, isn't it? What's yeah. Asia? <laughs> Excellent. No, I think this is like a weird new persona that you're... Now you've got the robe. It's like you're like, well, I must have a historian kind of voice. It's like a telephone voice. It's your historian voice. Oh, yes. Okay, so by 1505, it had spread to Asia. Most people called it the French disease. So even back then, stigma, racism is rife, isn't it? And there was no cure. So loads and loads of people died. Whole communities completely decimated by syphilis. And that's how we know that people weren't using protection. Didn't have enough onions around. Or tar. (laughs) Used up all the tar and the onions. No more goat's bladders to be shoving up women. Um, And it wasn't until 1564 that there's proof in writing that a condom had been used. It's in Italy and it's a man called Gabriele Fallopio. What to say without laughing? What a name. It's very apt, isn't it? He wrote a recommendation that he believed could curtail the syphilis outbreak. He recommended linen sheaths soaked in a chemical solution and left to dry that were then tied using ribbon to the top of the penis. So it's like a little hat or like well, like a little bonnet. Do you tie it round with ribbon? Yeah, to make sure it didn't pop off. Tight, you're going to lose circulation. Yeah, that is true. That's not fun halfway through, is it? I bet that was an art, tying it just tight enough. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I'd just be grateful it wasn't stinking of onion juice anymore, to be honest. Would you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, although I wasn't like fishing tar out of myself for weeks afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, Ago. That, I can't believe how long ago that was. I know, I know. I mean, he did a trial. He said he contra- conducted a trial with 1,100 men and none of them contracted syphilis. So he's on to something here, you know. So it's more than just him mentioning it and it's like him using it. He's actually conducting trials and looking into the viability of this. Yeah, and it led the way to better birth control and the development of condoms made from intestines and bladders. So intestines were already used in glove making. So actually, you can understand the logic, can't you? If it's good enough to put over your hand, good enough to put over your junk. I don't know why I'm having trouble saying the word penis today. I love calling it junk. I think it's one of the best terms for men or women. It's your junk, isn't it? Yeah, you're right. I have no comeback. I was just thinking, what are the alternatives? Willy, winky, no. Oh, we did this, didn't we? Yeah, or like, you know, Claude or... You know, oh, by the way, I've, I decided that I, I don't want my um, vagina to be called Audrey anymore. Why? Because I came up with a much better name. Oh, OK. Well, I shall drop that name because I do refer to you by, by the name of your vagina now rather than yeah. your actual name. Yeah, I'd, I would prefer you to address her as the Kraken, please. The Kraken? Yes. <laughs> like the stuff that, like, what? It's like a mystical sea monster, a Kraken. 
Oh, oh, I thought it was that stuff you had at Hogmanay. You know, that Scottish pudding. What are you talking about? I feel like I've left the earth and like I'm on a different planet where you're talking about Scottish puddings and <laughs> I'm talking about my vagina. Oh, no, my Scottish pudding is called Granacken. I have never heard of that. Oh, oh, it's got raspberries and stuff in it. It's nice. Well, Kraken. that's not that's not what I'm talking about. The Kraken. She's a powerful woman. Well, she's not. She's a thing. But, you know, she's a powerful thing. She knows what she wants. She's in control of her own life. She's a man eater. Oh, that sounded not good. Anyway, so, I, I've gone off in a different direction. Let's come back to where we were. So it says the Kraken is a legendary sea monster. This is on Wikipedia of enormous size. <laughs> Even better. Even better. Really? Yeah. Okay, fair enough. It's an unconfirmed cephalopod. Cephalopod, is that how you say it? Cephalopod, yeah. Oh, it's like a big octopus. Got like, like it's just an octopus. Just loved it. I was just like the Kraken. That's that's the name for me. And I just knew. Oh, I'm, I'm sticking with Velma. Anyway, where are we going? Right, so we have said that they uh, kind of branched out from linen to also include bladders and intestines. And the Dutch developed and introduced leather condoms to Japan around this time and they were the first condoms to cover the whole penis so the Dutch they're onto a good thing anyway condom developments not popular with everyone so in the 18th century so in 1708 in the UK a politician called John Campbell called on parliament to make condoms illegal he was unsuccessful there were also um, somebody else Dr Daniel Turner again in the UK he published arguments against their use because he believed they encouraged men to engage in sex with unsafe partners other doctors followed his lead, but on the belief that contraception was immoral. God, bonkers back then, wasn't it? You say back then, I feel like we're still having fights now, you know, about these things. Every time we think we've, we're like more liberal and we're more open-minded and we're more understanding, there's something that comes up that's like, really, guys, really? You know, it's like we yeah. look at Section 28, really wasn't that long ago. That's true. Oh, well, yeah. even back then, when are we 18th century? Yeah. All these arguments against, but always focused on men, isn't it? And, you know, how to protect men and keep them safe. We don't want men having unsafe sex with lots of different female partners. All this opposition uh, didn't work, just made them more popular. Of course it did. Different sizes were introduced. And in terms of variety, still the same three options, linen, bladder or intestine. And you could buy them at pubs, barbers, chemists, open air markets and the theatre. Oh, if you had to choose, which one of those would you have gone for? The theatre. I meant the three options of condom. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I laughed over you and probably blocked all your sound. Sorry. So what were they again? Bladder? Linen, bladder or intestine? I'm going to go intestine. Yeah, me too. Because I feel like it might be wet and warm and it might there might be a bit of lube there. Do you know what I mean? But your bladder is wet and warm, surely. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. In my head, an intestine would fit more snugly as well. I just think out of the three, it's probably the most comfortable option. Yeah, I think so. Um, and I think for both parties, actually. I think the intestine yeah. would be nice for both of you. Okay, good. So uh, unsurprisingly, linen condoms weren't as popular, of course, and their production went into decline. But generally, condoms were popular with middle or upper classes because they were really, really expensive. So lower classes just couldn't afford them. A single condom could cost several months' pay. Wow. Could you Mm. reuse it? Yeah, yeah, you had to. Yeah, so you'd buy, you know, a condom for life. Like a bag for life. (laughs) 
Yeah. Maybe that's where the term bag for life comes from. Um, I don't know how long they lasted. I wouldn't have thought they would last forever. Well, one did, didn't it? Because it was found. Yeah, in a cesspit, though. I like the thought that people, even back then, even though we're going, please don't put them down the toilet, please don't do that. Someone was, even then, back in 15, whenever, was like, yeah, just going to stick it down the loo, end up in a cesspit. Like, oh, he's probably what ruined the castle. It probably broke, uh, broke the whole um, drainage system. Probably blocked it. Yeah, probably did. So where were we now? Early 19th century, we're whizzing through history. This all changed. So sex education was becoming more common and a new rubber condom was produced in 1855 in America. And By the late 1850s, they were being mass produced and that brought the cost down so more people can afford them. But they're not like the condoms we know today because these condoms are reusable and they're not as comfortable So skin condoms, they called them, intestine and bladder were still preferred, but the name for rubber condoms, rubbers, stuck. And that became like the universal term for all of them. And that's still quite far back in history. I I have to say, I really, truly didn't realise it would be that far back that this is when they'd start being mass produced. Yeah, no, I didn't realise this either. But they aren't, like I said, they're not like the ones today. So they were made back then by wrapping raw rubber around a penis-shaped mould and then dipping the mould into chemicals to cure it. And again, the initial ones, they were only covering the end of the penis. So a doctor would like measure each man, and then the condom was custom made to fit the tip of his penis. It's such a funny, like a funny image, isn't it? Just like, boop, pop your little penis hat on, on it goes. Now we're ready. So where do we go from here, though? How did they get from, how did they get to the shape we have today, as in anything that was the full length of the penis? Okay, well, even the custom fit ones that they're making back then, they have a tendency to fall off. And if it fell off, wouldn't that fall off beside somebody? Oh. What's the damage to your health there? That's a good point, actually. Yeah, no, it probably did. So, I mean, it's not the ideal kind of method. So the manufacturers soon devised a full-length, one-size-fits-all condom, quicker to mass-produce, easier to sell. And in the 1870s, England saw the founding of the first major condom manufacturing company, E. Lambert and Son of Dalston. And from there, I mean, it's not all plain sailing. There's opposition to their use still and an equal division, I would say, between supporters and non-supporters. But STI rates are decreasing along with pregnancy rates and condom companies are working to produce thinner condoms that are more comfortable to wear. Good. So they're all on the right track by this point. And although, you know, their popularity, I mean, it's risen and fallen, hasn't it, over the decades, their development and use has been a game changer for lots of communities. So from the 1870s onwards, it's really all about educating, encouraging use, improving production, distribution, and ensuring everyone has access to them, including soldiers during both world wars. That's a good shout. That is a good shout. I know. They were included in, um, you know, the packs that they gave them when they sent them off to war. Yeah. And you'd have like your rations and supplies. They used to include condoms in there as well. I never knew that. I think that's great, though. Yeah, because they wanted to make sure that, you know, even kind of back then, treatment for STIs, nowhere near as good as it was today. You want your troops to be kind of healthy, don't you? You don't want anyone being taken ill with syphilis or gonorrhea. So this was the best way to do it. I mean, let's be honest, while you're packing for war, which I I actually can't even imagine how traumatic and scary that must be. But the last thing you are going to be thinking of is, oh, I'll pop some condoms in here. Good initiative. Americans in particular were really focused on this, on protecting their troops' sexual health 
more so probably than their physical or their mental health, I would say. So that's it. That is our quick condensed history of condoms. And it is quick. But, you know, we've learned we've learned something. No, well, I learned loads. I mean, I learned that you're bananas and have bought yourself your own historical. I feel like that's my biggest takeaway, actually, how committed you are to being an HIV historian. No, I am. And, um, you know, I've got the outfit to do it now. So I feel properly like I've endorsed my own self. I was going to say, there's there's really nothing holding you back, is there? No. Just those actual physical qualifications of being a historian. Okay, there is that. (laughs) And there are some very good HIV historians out there already. And I don't want to be derogatory to them. They've probably done years worth of education. But, you know. I bet they don't have robes. So I think if you have the robe, then you're one step ahead of them already, right? I think in the fashion stakes, most definitely. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. where I'm going to excel, merging fashion and history. <laughs> Who does these two things to be merged? Amazing. That was really interesting. That was very fascinating, even if obviously, as always, I, we went off on some questionable tangents. So next week, futuristic condoms, beaming them onto ourselves. Yeah. So next week, we'll be looking at what the future holds. And we'll also look at what condoms are available at the moment as well. A little potted guide. So everyone's clear about the type of condom that would suit their needs wonderful what's your favorite condom oh i don't know if i have a favorite one i can't answer that i bet you do don't you anything that's not latex oh of course i have a latex allergy yes indeed oh no see that's the image i'm gonna have in my head now isn't it an unhappy kraken thanks for listening to the hiv podcast If you enjoyed our podcast, please like, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can now also follow us on Instagram and TikTok at the HIV podcast for behind the scenes insights and videos. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.